Chapter 18 of South Sea Idols by Charles Warren Stoddard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 18 A Prodigal in Tahiti. Let this confession be topped with a vignette done in broad, shadowless lines, and few of them, something like this A little fly blown room smelling of garlic. I, cooling my elbows on the oily slab of a table, breakfast for one, and looking through a window at a glaring whitewashed fence high enough to shut out the universe from my point of sight. Yet it hid not all, since it brought into relief a panting cock with one leg in a string, which had so strained to compress itself into a doubtful inch of shade that its suspended claw clutched the air in real agony. Having dazzled my eyes with this prospect, I turned gratefully to the vanities of life that may be had for two francs in Tahiti. Vida, bill of fare, one fried egg, like the eye of some gigantic albino, potatoes hollowed out bombshell fashion, primed with liver sausage, very ingenious and palatable, the naked corpse of a fowl that cared not to live longer from appearances yet looked not happy in death item wonder if there is a more ghastly spectacle than a chicken cooked in the french style its knees drawn up on its breast like an indian mummy while its blue back parboiled and melancholy visage tearfully surveys its own unshrouded remains after a brief season of meditation i said and i trust i meant it i thank the lord for all these blessings then i gave the corpse of the chicken christian burial under a fold of the window curtain disposed of the fried eye of the albino and transformed myself into a mortar for the time being taking potato bombshells according to my calibre there was claret all the while and plenty of butterless roll a shaving of cheese a banana black coffee and cognac when i turned again to dazzle myself with the white fence and saw with infinite pity a sentiment perhaps not unmixed with a suspicion of cognac or some other temporary humanizing element i saw for a fact that the poor cock had wilted and lay flat in the sun like a last year's duster that was too much for me i wheeled towards the door where gleamed the bay with its lovely ridges of light canoes drifting over it drew the eye after them irresistibly i heard the ship calkers on the beach making their monotonous clatter and the drone of the bareheaded fruit sellers squatted in rows chatting indolently with their eyes half shut i could think of nothing but bees humming over their own sweet wares about this time a young fellow at the next table who had scarcely a mouthful of english at his command implored me to take beer with him implying that we might if desirable become as tight as two bricks i declined much to his admiration he regarding my refusal as a clear case of moral courage whereas it arose simply and solely from my utter inability to see his treat and go him one better a grown person in tahiti has an eating hour allotted to him twice a day at ten a m and five p m 
my time being up i returned to the store in an indifferent frame of mind and upon entering the presence of my employer who had arrived a moment before me i was immediately covered with the deep humiliation of servitude and withdrew to an obscure corner while monsieur and some naval guest took absinthe unblushingly which was of course proper enough in them call it by what name you will you cannot sweeten servility to my taste then why was i there and in bondage the spirit of adventure that keeps life in us yet comes near to worrying it out of us now and then lured me with my handful of dollars to the garden of the pacific you can easily get work said someone who had been there and didn't want it if work i must why not better there than here thought i and the less money i take with me the surer am i to seek that which might not attract me under other circumstances a few letters which proved almost valueless an abiding trust in providence afterwards somewhat shaken i am sorry to state which convinces me that i can no longer hope to travel as a shorn lamb considerable confidence in the good feeling of my fellow-men together with the few dollars above referred to comprised my all when i set foot on the leaf-strewn and shady beach of papiti before the day was over i saw my case was almost hopeless i was one too many in a very meagre congregation of foreigners in a week i was desperate with poverty and disgrace brooding like evil spirits on either hand every ten minutes some one suggested something which was almost immediately suppressed by the next man i met to whom i applied for further information teach said one there wasn't a pupil to be had in the dominion clerkships were out of the question likewise i might keep store if i could get anything to put in it or go farther as some one suggested if i had money enough to get there i thought it wiser to endure the ills i had than fly to others that i knew not of in this state i perambulated the green lanes of papiti conscious that i was drawing down tons of immaterial sympathy from hearts of various nationalities beating to the music of regular salaries in hard cash and the inevitable ringing of their daily dinner-bell and i continued to perambulate under the same depressing avalanches for a fortnight or more a warning to the generation of the inexperienced that persists in sowing itself broadcast upon the edges of the earth and learns too late how hard a thing it is to take root under the circumstances one gloomy day i was seized in the market-place and led before a french gentleman who offered me a bed and board for such manual compensation as i might be able to give him in his office during the usual business hours namely from daybreak to some time in the afternoon unless it rained when business was suspended and i was dropped until fair weather should set that little world wagging again i was invited to enter into the bosom of his family in fact to be one of them and no single man could ask to be more to sit at his table and hope for better days in which diversion he proposed to join me with all his soul with an emotion of gratitude and a pang at being thus early a subject of charity i began business in papiti and learned within the hour how sharper than most sharps it is 
to know only your own mother tongue when you're away from home nightly i walked two hot and dusty miles through groves of breadfruit and colonnades of palms to my new masters i skirted with loitering steps a placid sea whose crystalline depths sheltered leagues and leagues of sun-painted corals where a myriad fish died like the rainbow sported unceasingly springs gushed from the mountain singing their song of joy the winds sang in the dark locks of the sycamore while the palm boughs clashed like cymbals in rhythmical accompaniment glad children chanted their choruses and i alone could not sing nor hum nor whistle because it doesn't pay to work for your board and settle for little necessities out of your own pocket in any latitude that i ever heard of we lived in a grove of ten thousand cocoa palms crowning a hill slope to the west how all-sufficient it sounds as i write it now but how little i cared then for many reasons my cottage had prior tenants who disputed possession with me winged tenants who sought admission at every cranny and frequently obtained it in spite of me these were not angels but hens my cottage had been a granary until it got too poor a receptacle for grains and a better shelter left it open to the barn fowls until i arrived they hated me these hungry chickens they used to sit in rows on the window-sill and stare me out of countenance a wide bedstead corded with thongs did its best to furnish my apartment a narrow a very narrow and thin ship's mattress that had been a bed of torture for many a seasick soul before it descended to me a flat pillow like a pancake a condemned horse-blanket contributed by a good-natured kanak who raked it from a heap of refuse in the yard together with two sacks of rice the despair of those hens in the window were all i could boast of with this inventory i strove by particular request to be one of those who were comfortable enough in the chateau adjoining summoned peremptorily to dinner i entered a little lattice saloon connected with the chateau by a covered walk discovered messieurs seated at table and already served with soup and claret the remainder of the company helped themselves as they best could and i saw plainly enough that the family bosom was so crowded already that i might seek in vain to wedge myself into any corner of it at least until some vacancy occurred after dinner sat on a sack of rice in my room while it grew dark and monsieur received calls wandered down to the beach at the foot of the hill and lay a long time on a bed of leaves while the tide was out and the crabs clattered along shore and were very sociable natives began to kindle their evening fires of coconut husks smoke sweet as incense climbed up to the plumes of the palm trees and was lost among the stars morsels of fish and breadfruit were offered me by the untutored savage who welcomed me to his frugal meal and desired that i should at least taste before he broke his fast canoes shot out from dense shadowy points fishers standing in the bows with a poised spear in one hand a blazing palm branch held aloft in the other shed a warm glow of light over their superb nakedness bathed by the sea in a fresh cool spring and returned to my little coop which was illuminated by the glare of fifty floating beacons 
Looking back from the door, I could see the dark outlines of the torch-bearers, and hear their signal calls above the low growl of the reef, a half-mile farther out from shore. It was a blessing to lie awake in my little room, and watch the flicker of those fires, to think how Tahiti must look on a cloudless night from some heavenly altitude, the ocean still as death, the procession of fishermen sweeping from point to point within the reef, till the island, flooded with starlight and torchlight, lies like a green sea-garden in a girdle of flame. A shrill bell called me from my bed at dawn. I was not unwilling to rise. For half the night I lay like a saint on the tough thongs, having turned over in sleep, thereby missing the mattress entirely. Made my toilette at a spring on the way into town, saw a glorious sunrise that was as good as breakfast, and found the whole earth and sea, and all that in them, is singing again, while I listened and gave thanks for that privilege. At ten a.m. I went to breakfast in the small restaurant, where I have sketched myself at the top of this chronicle, and whither we may return and begin, over again, if it please you. I was about to remark that probably most melancholy and homesickness may be cured or alleviated by a wholesome meal of victuals, but I think I won't, for on referring to my notebook, I find that within an hour after my return to the store, I was as heartsick as ever, and wasn't afraid to say so. It is scarcely to be wondered at. The sky was dark. Aboard a schooner some sailors were making that doleful whine peculiar to them, as they hauled in to shore and tied up to a tree in a sifting rain. Then everything was ominously still, as though something disagreeable were about to happen. Thereupon I doubled myself over the counter like a half-shut jackknife, and burying my face in my hands, said to myself, Oh, to be alone with nature! Her silence is religion, and her sounds sweet music. After which the rain blew over, and I was sent with a handcart and one underfed canock to a wharf half a mile away to drag back several loads of potatoes. We two hungry creatures struggled heroically to do our duty. Starting with a multitude of sacks it was quite impossible to proceed with, we grew weaker the farther we went, so that the load had to be reduced from time to time, and I believe the amount of potatoes deposited by the way considerably exceeded the amount we subsequently arrived at the store with. Finding life a burden, and seeing the legs of the young fellow in harness with me bend under him in his frantic efforts to get our cart out of a rut without emptying it entirely, I resolved to hire a substitute at my own expense, and save my remaining strength for a new line of business. Thus I was enabled to sit on the wharf the rest of the afternoon, and enjoy myself devising new means of subsistence and watching the natives swim. Someone before me found a modicum of sweets in his cup of bitterness, and in a complacent hour set the good against the evil in single entry, summing up the same to his advantage. I concluded to do it myself, and did it thus. Evil. I find myself in a foreign land with no one to love and none to love me. Good. But I may do as I please in consequence, and it is nobody's business save my own. 
evil i am working for my board and lodging no extra and find it very unprofitable good but i may quit as soon as i feel like it and shall have no occasion to dun my employer for back salary so long as i stop with him evil my clothes are in rags i shall soon be without a stitch to my back good but the weather is mild and the fig tree flourisheth moreover many a good savage has gone naked before me evil i get hungry before breakfast and feel faint after dinner what are two meals a day to a man of my appetite good but fasting is saintly day by day i grow more spiritual and shall shortly be a fit subject for translation to that better world which is doubtless the envy of all those who have lost it by overeating and drinking nothing can exceed the satisfaction with which i read and re-read this philosophical summary but i had relapses every few minutes so long as i lived in tahiti i remember one sunday morning a day i had all to myself when i cried out of the depths and felt better after it it was a real sunday the fowls confessed it by the indifference with which they picked up a grain of rice now and then as though they weren't hungry the family were moving about in an unnatural way some people are never themselves on the lord's day the canoes lay asleep off upon the water evidently conscious of the long hours of rest they were sure of having to sum it all it seemed as though the cover had been taken off from the earth and the angels were sitting in big circles looking at us our clock had run down and i found myself half an hour too early at mass some diminutive native children talked together with infinite gesticulation like little old men at every lag in the conversation two or three of them would steal away to the fence that surrounded the church and begin diligently counting the pickets thereof they were evidently amazed at what they considered a singular coincidence namely that the number of pickets beginning at the front gate and counting to the right tallied exactly with the doo beginning at the doo and counting to the left while they were making repeated efforts to get at the heart of this mystery the priest rode up on horseback dismounted in our midst and we all followed him into chapel to mass a young frenchman offered me holy water on the tips of his fingers and i immediately decided to confide in him to an unlimited extent if he gave me the opportunity it was a serious disappointment when i found later that we didn't know six words in any common tongue concluded to be independent and walked off by myself got very lonesome immediately tried to be meditative philosophical botanical conchological and in less than an hour gave it up homesick again by jove strolled to the beach and sat a long time on a bit of wreck partly embedded in the sand consoled by the surpassing radiance of sunset wondered how i could ever have repined but proceeded to do it again as soon as it grew dark some natives drew near greeting me kindly they were evidently lovers talked in low tones deeply interested in the most trivial things such as a leaf falling into the sea at our feet and floating stem up like a bowsprite he probably made some poetic allusion to it may have proposed braving the seas with her in a scallop as fairy-like for both fell a-dreaming and were silent for some time 
he worshipping her with fascinated eyes, while she, womanlike, pretended to be all unconscious of his admiration. Silently we sat looking over the sea at Maria, just visible in the light of the young moon, like a spirit brooding upon the waters, till I broke the spell by saying good-night, which was repeated in a chorus as I withdrew to my coop, and found my feathered guests had beaten me in the temporary barricade, erected in the broken window, entered and made themselves at home during my absence, a fact that scarcely endeared the spot to me. Next morning I was unusually merry, couldn't tell why, but tried to sing as I made my toilette at the spring, laughed nearly all the way into town, saying my prayers and blessing God, when I came suddenly upon a horseshoe in the middle of the road took it as an omen and a keepsake horseshoes aren't shed everywhere nor for everybody i thought it the prophecy of a change and at once cancelled my engagement with my employer without having set foot into his house farther than the dining-room or made any apparent impression upon the adamantine bosom of his family after formally expressing my gratitude to monsieur for his renewed offers of hospitality i turned myself into the street and was once more adrift in the world for the space of three minutes i was wild with joy at the thought of my perfect liberty then i grew nervous began to feel unhappy nay even guilty as though i had thrown up a good thing concluded it was rash of me to leave a situation where i got two meals and a mattress with the privilege of washing at my own expense i am not sure that it wasn't unwise for i had no dinner that afternoon and having no bed either i crept into the veranda of a house to let and dozed till daybreak there was but one thing to live for now namely to see as much of tahiti as possible and at my earliest convenience return like the prodigal son to that father who would doubtless feel like killing something appropriate as soon as he saw me coming. I said as much to a couple of Frenchmen, brothers, who are living a dream life over yonder, and whose wildest species of dissipation for the last seven years has been to rise at intervals from their settees in the arbor, go deliberately to the farther end of the garden, and eat several mangoes in cold blood to comprehend tahiti a man must lose himself in forests whose resinous boughs are knotted with ribbons of sea-grass there overcome by the music of sibilant waters sifting through the antlers of the coral he is supposed to sink upon drifts of orange blossoms only to be resuscitated by the spray of an approaching shower crashing through the green solitudes like an army with chariots so those brothers said with a mango poised in each hand and they added that i should have an official document addressed to the best blood in the kingdom namely forty chiefs tahiti who would undoubtedly entertain me with true barbarian hospitality better the world knows not there was a delay for some reason i rather impatient and scarcely hoping to receive so graceful a compliment from headquarters trudged on alone with a light purse and an infinitesimal bundle of necessities caring nothing for the weather nor the number of miles cleared per day since i laid no plans save the one to see as much as i might with the best grace possible keeping an eye on the road for horseshoes 
through leagues of verdure i wandered feasting my five senses and finding life a holiday at last there were numerous streams to be crossed where i loafed for hours on the bridges satisfying myself with sunshine not a savage in the land was freer than i no man could say to me why stand ye here idle for i could continue to stand as long as i liked and as idly as it pleased me in spite of him there were bridgeless streams to be forded but the tahitian is a nomad continually wandering from one edge of his fruitful world to the other moreover he is the soul of peace towards men of good will i was invariably picked up by some bare-backed hercules who volunteered to take me over the water on his brawny brown shoulders and could have easily taken two like me it was good to be up there while he strode through the swift current for i felt that he was perfectly able to carry me to the ends of the earth without stopping and that sense of reliance helped to reassure my faith in humanity as i wandered from most native houses came the invitation to enter and eat night after night i found my bed in the corner of some dwelling whither i had been led by the master of it with unaffected grace it wasn't simply showing me to a spare room but rather unrolling the best mat and turning everything to my account so long as it pleased me to tarry sometimes the sea talked in its sleep not a rod from the house frequently the mosquitoes accepted me as a delicacy and did their best to dispose of me once i awoke with a headache the air was so dense with the odour of orange blossoms there was frequently a strip of blue bay that ebbed and flowed languidly and had to be lunched with or a very deep and melodious spring asking for an interview and i may add it always got it i remember one miniature castle built in the midst of a grassy venice by the shore its moats shining with goldfish were spanned with slender bridges toy fences of bamboo enclosed the rarer clumps of foliage and there was such an air of tranquillity pervading it i thought i must belong there something seemed to say come in i went in but left very soon the place was so fairy-like i felt as though i were liable to step through it and come out on some other side and i wasn't anxious for such a change i ate when i got hungry a very good sort of a meal consisting usually of a tiny piglet cooked in the native fashion swathed in succulent leaves and laid between hot stones still ready for eating breadfruit like mashed potato but a great deal better orange tea and cocoa milk surely enough for two or three francs took a sleep whenever sleep came along resting always till the clouds or a shadow from the mountain covered me so as to keep cool and comfortable natives passed me with salutations a white man now and then went by barely nodding or more frequently eyeing me with suspicion and giving me as much of his dust as he found convenient in the wider fellowship of nature i forswore all blood relations and blushed for those representatives of my own colour as i footed it right royally therefore i was enabled to scorn the fellow who scorned me while he flashed the steel hoofs of his charger in my face and dashed on to the village we were both approaching with the dusk what a spot it was 
a long lane as green as a spring meadow lying between wall-like masses of foliage whose deep arcades were frescoed with blossoms and festooned with vines it seemed a pathway leading to infinity for the blood-red bars of sunset glared at its farther end as though providence had placed them there to keep out the unregenerated not a house visible all this time nor a human though i was in the heart of the hamlet passing up the turf cushioned road i beheld on either hand through a screen of leaves a log spanning a rivulet that was softly singing its monody at the end of each log the summer-house of some tahitian who sat in his door smoking complacently it was a picture of still life with a suggestion of possible motion a village to put into a greenhouse water and keep fresh forever let me picture it once more one mossy street between two babbling brooks and every house thereof set each in its own moated wilderness this was papioli like rows of cages full of chirping birds those bamboo huts were distributed up and down the street as i walked i knew something would cause me to turn at the right time and find a new friend ready to receive me for it always does so i walked slowly and without hesitation or impatience until i turned and met him coming out of his cage crossing the rill by his log and holding out his hand to me in welcome back we went together and i ate and slept there as though it had been arranged a thousand years ago perhaps it was there was a racket up at the farther end of the lane by the chief's house songs and nose flutings upon the night air moreover a bonfire and doubtless much nectar too much as usual for i heard such cheers as the soul gives when it is careless of consequences and caught a glimpse of the joys of barbarism such as even we poor christians cannot wholly withstand but turning our backs think we are safe enough commend me to him who has known temptation and not shunned it but actually withstood it it was the dance as ever it is the dance where all the aspirations of the soul find expression in the body those bodies that are incarnate souls or whose souls that are spiritualized bodies inseparable whatever they are for the time being the fire glowed fervently bananas hung out their tattered banners like decorations palms rustled their silver plumes aloft in the moonlight the sea panted upon its sandy bed in heavy sleep the night-blooming sirius opened its waxen chambers and gave forth its treasured sweets circle after circle of swart savage faces were turned upon the flame-lit arena where the dancers posed for a moment with their light drapery gathered about them and held carelessly in one hand anon the music chimed forth a reiteration of chords caught from the bird's treble and the wind's bass full and resounding syllables richly poetical telling of orgies and of the mysteries of the forbidden revels at the charmed valleys of the gods hearing which it were impossible not to be wrought to madness and the dancers thereat went mad dancing with infinite gesticulation dancing to whirlwinds of applause till the undulation of their bodies was serpentine and at last in frenzy they shrieked with joy threw off their garments and were naked as the moon 
so much for a vision that kept me awake till morning when i plodded on in the damp grass and tried to forget it but couldn't exactly and never have to this hour went on and on over more bridges spanning still flowing streams of silver past springs that lay like great crystals framed in moss under dripping fern-clad cliffs that the sun never reaches came at last to a shining whitewashed fort on an eminence that commands the isthmus connecting the two hemispheres of tahiti where down i dropped into a narrow valley full of wind and discord and a kind of dreary neglect that made me sick for any other place more refreshment for the wayfarer but to be paid for by the dish and therefore limited was obliged to hate a noisy fellow with too much bushy black beard and a freckled nose and to like another who eyed me kindly over his absinthe having first mixed a glass for me a native asked me where i was going being unable to give any satisfactory answer he conducted me to his canoe about a mile distant where he cut a sapling for a mast another for a gaff twisted in a few moments a cord of its fibrous bark rigged a sail of his sleeping blanket and we were shortly wafted onward before a light breeze between the reef and shore three of us with a bull pup in the bows dozed under the afternoon sun he of the paddle awoke now and then to shift sail beat the sea impetuous for a few seconds and fall asleep again voices roused me occasionally greetings from colonies of indolent canucks on shore whose business it was to sit there till they got hungry laughing weariness to scorn close upon our larboard bow lay one of the islands that had bewitched me as i paced the shore but a few days previous under us the measureless garden of the sea unmasked a myriad imperishable blossoms centuries old some of them but as fair and fresh as though born within the hour all that afternoon we drifted between sea and shore and beached at sunset in a new land footsore and weary i approached a stable from which thrice a week stages were dispatched to papiti a modern pilgrim finds his scrip cumbersome if he has any and deems it more profitable to pay his coachman than his cobbler i climbed to my seat by the jolly french driver who was continually chatting with three merry nuns sitting just back of us returning to the convent in papiti after a vacation retreat among the hills how they enjoyed the ride as three children might and were quite wild with delight at meeting a corpulent père who smiled amiably from his saddle and offered to show them the interior of the pretty chapel of faa three a's in that word the very ones i grew melancholy in when i was a man of business so they hurled themselves madly from the high seat one after the other scorning to touch anything so contaminating as a man's hand though it looked suicidal as the driver and i agreed while the three were at prayers by the altar whipping up over the road townward i could almost recognize my own footprints left since the time i used to take the dust in my face three mornings a week from the wheel of that very vehicle as i footed it in to business passing the spring my toilette of other days drawing to the edge of the town we stopped being jolly and were as proper as befitted travellers 
we looked over the wall of the convent garden as we drove up to the gate and saw the mother superior hurrying down to us with a cumbersome chair for the relief of the nuns but before she reached us they had cast themselves to earth again in the face of destiny and there was kissing crying and commotion as they withdrew under the gateway like so many doves seeking shelter when the gate closed after them i heard them all cooing at once but the world knows nothing further where would i be dropped asked the driver in the middle of the street please you and take half my little hole for your ride sir he took it dropped me where we stood and drove away i pretending to be very much at my ease god help me and all poor hypocrites i sought a place of shelter or rather retirement for the air is balm in that country there was an old house in the middle of a grassy lawn on a by-street two of its rooms were furnished with a few papers and books and certain gentlemen who contribute to its support lounge in when they have leisure for reading or a chat i grew to know the place familiarly i stole a night's lodging on its veranda in the shadow of a passion vine but for fear of embarrassing some early student in pursuit of knowledge i passed the second night on the floor of the dilapidated cookhouse where the ants covered me i endured the tortures of one who bears his body to an unceasing shower of sparks but i survived there was in this very cookhouse a sink six feet in length and as wide as a coffin the third night i lay like a galvanized corpse with his lid off till a rat sought to devour me when i took to the streets and walked till morning by this time the president of the club whose acquaintance i had the honour of tendered me the free use of any portion of the premises that might not be otherwise engaged with a gleam of hope i began my explorations up a narrow and winding stair i found a spacious loft it was like a mammoth tent a solitary centre-pole its only ornament creeping into it on all fours i found a fragment of matting a dry crust an empty soda-bottle footprints on the sands of time poor soul i gasped where did you come from what did you come for whither oh whither have you flown i might have added how did you manage to get there but the present was so important a consideration i had no heart to look beyond it the next ten nights i passed in the silent and airy apartment of my anonymous predecessor ten nights i crossed the unswept floor that threatened at every step to precipitate me into the reading-room below with a faint heart and hollow stomach i threw myself upon my elbow and strove to sleep i lay till my heart stopped beating my joints were wooden and my four limbs corky beyond all hope of reanimation there the mosquito revelled and it was a promising place for centipedes at either end of the building an open window admitted the tip of a banana leaf up their green ribs the sprightly mouse careered i broke the backbones of these banana leaves though they were the joy of my soul and would have adorned the choicest conservatory in the land day was equally unprofitable to me my best friends said why not return to california every one i met invited me to leave the country at my earliest convenience the american consul secured me a passage to be settled for at home 
and my career in that latitude was evidently at an end in my superfluous confidence in humanity i had announced myself as a correspondent for the press it was quite necessary that i should give some plausible reason for making my appearance in tahiti friendless and poor therefore i said plainly i am a correspondent friendless and poor believing that any one would see truth in the face of it with half an eye prove it said one who knew more of the world than i then flashed upon me the alarming fact that i couldn't prove it having nothing whatever in my possession referring to it in the slightest degree it was a fatal mistake that might easily have been avoided but was too well established to be rectified in my chagrin i looked to the good old bishop for consolation approaching the mission house through sunlit cloisters of palms i was greeted most tenderly i would have gladly taken any amount of holy orders for the privilege of ending my troublous days in the sweet seclusion of the mission house as it was i received a blessing an autograph and a godspeed to some other part of creation added to this i learned how the address to the forty chiefs of tahiti in behalf of the foreign traveller my poor self had been dispatched to me by a special courier who found me not and doubtless the fetes i heard of and was forever missing marked the march of that messenger my proxy in his triumphal progress in my innocent degradation it was still necessary to nourish the inner man there is a market in papiti where under one broad roof threescore hucksters of both sexes congregate long before daylight and while a few candles illumine their wares patiently await custom a half-dozen coolies with an eye to business serve hot coffee and chocolate at a dime per cup to any who choose to ask for it by seven a m the market is so nearly sold out that only the more plentiful fruits of the country are to be obtained at any price a prodigal cannot long survive on husks unless he have coffee to wash them down i took my cup of it with two spoonfuls of sugar and ants dipped out of a cigar-box and a crust of bread into the bargain sitting on a bench in the market-place with a coolie and a kanak on either side it was not the coffee nor the sugared ants that i gave my dime for but rather the privilege of sitting in the midst of men and women who were willing to accept me as a friend and help me without questioning my ancestry and any one of whom would go me halves in the most disinterested manner then there was sure to be some superb fellow close at hand with a sensuous lip curled under his nostril a glimpse of which gave me a dime's worth of satisfaction and more too having secreted a french roll five cents all hot under my coat and gathered the bananas that would fall in the yard so seasonably i made my day as brief and comfortable as possible by filling up with water from time to time the man who has passed a grimy chop-house wherein a frowsy fellow sat at his cheap spread without envying the frowsy fellow his cheap spread cannot truly sympathize with me the man who has not felt a great hollow in his stomach which he found necessary to fill at the first fountain he came to or go over on his beam ends for lack of ballast cannot fall upon my neck and call me brother at daybreak i haunted those street fountains waiting my turn 
while french cooks filled almost fathomless kegs and coolies filled pot-bellied jars and canucks filled their hollow bamboos that seemed fully a quarter of a mile in length there i meekly made my toilette took my first course of breakfast rinsed out my handkerchiefs and stockings and went my way the whole performance was embarrassing because i was a novice and a dozen people watched me in curious silence i had also a boot with a suction in the toe there is dust in papiti while i walked that boot loaded and discharged itself in a manner that amazed and amused a small mob of little natives who followed me in my free exhibition advertising my shooting boot gratuitously i was altogether shabby in my outward appearance and cannot honestly upbraid any resident of the town for his neglect of me i know that i suffered the agony of shame and the pangs of hunger but they were nothing to the utter loneliness i felt as i wandered about with my heart on my sleeve and never a bite from so much as a daw did you ever question the possibility of a man's temporary transformation under certain mental moral or physical conditions there are seasons when he certainly isn't what he was yet may be more and better than he has been if you give him time enough i began to think i had either suffered this transformation or been maliciously misinformed as to my personality was i truly what i represented myself to be or had i been a living deception all my days no longer able to identify myself as any one in particular it occurred to me that it would be well to address a few lines to the gentleman i had been in the habit of calling father asking for some particulars concerning his absent son i immediately drew up this document ready for mailing mosquito hall centipede avenue papiti dear sir a nondescript awaits identification at this office answers to the names at the foot of this page believes himself to be your son to have been your son or about to be something equally near and dear to you he can repeat several chapters of the new testament at the shortest notice recites most of the catechism and commandments thinks he would recognize two sisters and three brothers at sight and know his mother with his eyes shut he likewise confesses to the usual strawberry mark in fast colors if you will kindly send by return mail a few dollars he will clothe feed and water himself and return immediately to those arms which if his memory does not belie him have more than once sheltered his unworthy frame i have dear sir the singular fortune to be the article above described the six months which would elapse before i could hope for an answer would probably have found me past all recognition so i ceased crying to the compassionate vowels of tom dick and harry waiting with haggard patience the departure of the vessel that was to bear me home with a palpable c o d attacked on to me those last hours were brightened by the delicate attentions of a few good souls who learned too late the shocking state of my case thanks to them i slept well thereafter in a real bed and was sure of dinners that wouldn't rattle in me like a withered kernel in an old nutshell i had but to walk to the beach wave my lily hand heavily tanned about that time when lo a boat was immediately dispatched from the plump 
little corvège chevaret where the tricolore waved triumphantly from sunrise to sunset all the year round such capital french dinners as i had there such offerings of bed and board and boundless sympathy as were made me by those dear fellows who wore the gold lace and had a piratical-looking cabin all to themselves were enough to wring a heart that had been nearly wrung out in its battle with life in tahiti no longer i walked the streets as one smitten with the plague or resolved in envious circles about the market-place where i could have got my fill for half-dollar but had neither the one nor the other no sooner i went at daybreak to swell the procession at the water-spout or sat on the shore the picture of despair waiting sunrise finding it my sole happiness to watch a canoe-load of children drifting out upon the bay singing like a railful of larks nor walked solitarily through the night up and down the narrow streets wherein the gendarme had learned to pass me unnoticed with my hat under my arm and my heart in my throat those delicious moons always seduced me from my natural sleep and i sauntered through the cocoa groves whose boughs glistened like row after row of crystals whose shadows were as mosaics wrought in blocks of silver i used to nod at the low white-washed calabooses fairly steaming in the sun wherein herman melville got some chapters of omu over and over again i tracked the ground of that delicious story saying to the breadfruit trees that had sheltered him shelter me also and whoever shall follow after so long as your branches quiver in the wind o reader of omu think of motu otu actually looking warlike in these sad days with a row of new cannons around its edge and pyramids of balls as big as coconuts covering its shady centre walking alone in those splendid nights i used to hear a dry ominous coughing in the huts of the natives i felt as though i were treading upon the brinks of half-dug graves and i longed to bring a respite to the doomed race one windy afternoon we cut our stern hawser in a fair wind and sailed out of the harbour i felt a sense of relief and moralized for five minutes without stopping then i turned away from all listeners and saw those glorious green peaks growing dim in the distance the clouds embraced them in their profound secrecy like a lovely mirage tahiti floated upon the bosom of the sea between sea and sky was swallowed up vale garden and waterfall point after point crowded with palms peak above peak in that eternal crown of beauty and with them the nation of warriors and lovers falling like the leaf but unlike it with no followers in the new season end of chapter eighteen end of south sea idols by charles warren stoddard